scripture passage this morning. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. Through 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 10 can be found in your pew Bible on page 1,798. Here now the reading of God's holy word. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan in our burden because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident to know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please Him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether bad or good. That's for the reading of God's word. May he bless it to his people. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, grant us the grace of your Son, Jesus Christ. Enlighten us that we may know and understand. We may know and understand the hope, the peace, the joy the love that Christ has given us. And as we stand here in between his first coming and his second coming, that we could live by faith and not by sight. For your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now some of you might be wondering why this passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 10, Probably not a Christmas passage you've heard very often. It's not one of those that they put on all the, the nice Hallmark cards. Like Isaiah 9 and so on and so forth. But um, if you haven't been with us the last few weeks, we've talked about the first coming of Christ. That's what Advent means. It means appearance. It means a coming. And the first coming of Christ was his being born in the manger. His being incarnate, his taking on flesh. Um, but this past Sunday, we talked about the second coming of Christ, which is another advent. And how Christ, yes, did come in the flesh and was born of the Virgin Mary, but he grew up, he was crucified, he was buried, he then rose from the dead, and he ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father, and has promised that he shall come again to judge the living and the dead. The question that I wanted to bring to us then to close out our Christmas sermon series or Advent sermon series is then, what are we to do in between? In between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ, as we ponder, if you've heard the readings so far, the concept of, of a hope, a hope that we have because Christ came but also because we are waiting for Christ to come again. A peace that we have, that we taste now because of what Christ has accomplished, but we don't have in its fullness 
And we long for the eternal, lasting, everlasting peace to come when Christ comes again. The joy that we know because of what Christ has accomplished on our behalf, but the joy in its fullness that we wait for. And the second coming of Christ and the love, the love that has been revealed and the birth of a Savior and the death of a Savior and the resurrection of a Savior, but a love that is to be experienced even more deeply and perfectly without sin, without death. When Christ comes again, what are we to do in the in-between? Now, our passage this morning is a passage dealing with that. This is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth about the resurrection that is to come. If you know anything about the Corinthian church, you know that they had some issues with the doctrine of the resurrection and what that meant. And so Christ, or so Paul writes to the Corinthians about the resurrection in 2 Corinthians 5. Before we get to that, I want us to think about this phrase. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you've had it said to you. Maybe you've even said it yourself. Too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. Oh, that person's just too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. You know the idea, right? The idea is, in some sense, the Christians have this thinking of the greater days that are to come and the heaven that awaits them. And because they think of these things, they don't do anything on earth. They just sit around and they're lazy boy, sitting on their hands, waiting for the eternal peace to come. Well, C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, disagreed with this sentiment. He said, A continual looking forward to the eternal world is not, as some modern people think, a form of escapism or wishful thinking, but one of the things a Christian is meant to do. It does not mean that we are to leave the present world as it is. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. The apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because they had their minds occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. And then he said this, aim at heaven, and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim an earth, and you will get neither. C.S. Lewis's words here perfectly describe what Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that confidence in the resurrection to come, confidence in the second coming of Christ, gives us conviction to live for Christ. Today, confidence in the resurrection to come gives us conviction to live for Christ today. Let's look at this passage in two points. Confidence in the future, that's verses 1 through 5, and conviction for the present, verses 6 through 10. Following Paul's description 
of this treasure that we have in jars of clay, this gift of eternal life that he discusses in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. <coughs> Following his proclamation to the Corinthians that the suffering that we experience now is not to be compared to the glory we will have to come. Following Paul's proclamation to the Corinthians that outwardly, yes, we're wasting away, but inwardly we're being made new day by day, Paul then goes on to describe the difference between the experience that we have now and the experience that we will have in the future. And he does this by using the analogy of tents and buildings. Paul says, Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Now you probably should understand what Paul is getting after here. It's quite simple. A tent is a temporary dwelling place. It's not meant to be something that you live in all the time. And there's a correlation here between the history of Israel as well. If you remember, as they were wandering in the wilderness, they had the tabernacle. And the tabernacle was a temporary dwelling place for God, a temporary place of worship. But God promised that when they were brought into the promised land, when they conquered the promised land, that there would be a temple built, a permanent place of God's dwelling presence. Paul uses the same analogy here for us. He says, right now we're living in tents. But we have a dwelling place, a building from God, not built by human hands. Temporary tents, permanent building. Right now we experience something that is temporary, but in the future we will have something that lasts. In verse 2 he says, Meanwhile we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed we will not be found naked. And then he changes the analogy, doesn't he? He changes it from tent and building to clothing. We long to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. We want to take off the temporary dwelling place, this tent that we have now, and put on the permanent. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. Paul here is what, is what he's describing is the hope that we have, those of us who have faith in Jesus Christ, that on that future day, we will not be found naked and ashamed as Adam and Eve were in the garden. When God came and found them and they said, don't look, we're naked, we're ashamed, we're exposed. And we have that hope, that sure promise, that confidence in the future, because there was one that was already judged in our place. Because, as our Heidelberg Catechism says, the one who comes to judge the living and the dead is the one who has been judged in our place. On that day, we will not be found naked because we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Not our own righteousness, not our own, but that of Christ. 
Verse 4, Paul continues. He says, For while we are in this tent, we groan in our burden because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. This is twice now that Paul has described our current condition as one of groaning. <coughs> now, I'm not quite there yet, but maybe some of you, when you get up in the morning, your joints feel like they're groaning a little bit. And that can give you a little taste of what he's talking about here. He's saying that there is a burden for the in-between. For those who have been given the gift of eternal life. He's saying the burden is inwardly you know that you are going to live forever, but outwardly you're looking like you're dying. Inwardly you know that you were destined, you were created to have fellowship with God for eternity, but right now in this experience you get colds, you get flus, you go through money problems. Have cancer diagnoses. Have family arguments, issues, tensions. And confidence in the future doesn't mean that it isn't hard. Confidence in the future means the groaning that you have. That's the groaning of the Holy Spirit within you. Is awaiting for the revelation of the sons of God. The sons and daughters of God waiting for the second coming of Christ to be revealed, to be made whole. Paul is saying, we don't wish to be unclothed, but we wish to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Of course, we don't want to be found naked. What we want to be found is that on that day we would be clothed with immortality. We would be given the resurrection in its fullness. The resurrection of Christ. Verse 5, Paul continues, Now it's God who's made us for this very purpose and given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. If you want to know why we can have confidence in the future... We can have confidence in the future because we know we stand not on our own righteousness, but on the righteousness of Christ. If you want to know why we can have confidence in the future, we can have confidence in the future knowing that what we experience now is temporary and what is to come is eternal and lasting. If you want to know why we can have confidence in the future, we can have confidence in the future because God has given us the Holy Spirit as a deposit, as a down payment. Guaranteeing what is to come. That is to say, the groaning that we experience now, the confidence that we have in the future now is one that is granted to us by the Holy Spirit who indwells us. And the Holy Spirit, He is the one that groans within us, pointing us, giving us a taste of the eternity 
to come in Christ's second coming. But how does this give us conviction for the present? It's carry your two heavenly minded to be any earthly good. How can this perspective of knowing that what we have now is temporary and we'd rather just throw it away and put it in the trash and just sit around and wait for what's to come, which is eternal, help us live with conviction for Christ right now? And Paul continues. In verse 6, Therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. Paul says we know. As long as we're here right now, we're away from the Lord. We know that Christ has promised us his presence. What he's talking about here is the presence of the Lord when we die and come away from the body. Verse 7, we live by faith, not by sight. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. That verse, verse 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. That's one we like to say a lot. We live by faith, not by sight. But maybe we haven't really truly understood its meaning here. Faith is not some sort of vague notion. Faith is a believing in the promises of God. And a believing in the promises of God means we live in accordance with the promises of God. Paul's saying, you're right, right now we're here in the body. We are waiting for God's heavenly dwelling. We are waiting for mortality to be done away with and immortality to come. But as we wait, we don't live by sight. We live by faith. As we wait, we say, yes, outwardly, obviously, it looks like we're wasting away. But we know that we are destined for eternity because of Christ. We live by faith, not by sight. And this faith is a conviction and let me put it this way. Many of you are probably familiar with the Ten Commandments. Let me list a few off to you and then give you an example of what I mean by living by <coughs> faith, not by sight. God says, you shall have no other gods before me, right? Not only is that a command to not worship anything else, it's also a command to believe in God as the only God to be worshipped, and as the one who can fulfill all your desires, wants, and needs. Another commandment is, you shall not commit adultery. Not only does that mean that we should not lust after somebody else who's not our spouse, that we should be faithful to our spouses, but it's also a promise to believe that what God has determined... What God has given us in a spouse is all that we need and can be satisfied in. That is living by faith. Not simple obedience to the commandments, but a believing, a faith in what God has promised. 
We live by faith, not by sight. And that is the basis, Paul says. That although he would prefer to be away from this body and with the Lord, that he makes it his goal to please God whether we are at home in the body or away from it. There's another thing that needs to be said about this because that phrase, you're too heavenly minded to be any earthly good, sincerely believe that comes from a misunderstanding about what heaven is. Because one thing we don't really think about when it comes to Christmas is that when Jesus Christ took on a human body, he vindicated the goodness of the physical world. You understand what I'm saying? When Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came and took on flesh, he reiterated what God said when he made us and said, that is very good. And just so you know, when Jesus died and was resurrected from the dead and he ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father, he didn't shake his body off. He's still a man in heaven now. And this gets at the root of so many misconceptions when it comes to thinking of the future, of the eternity to come. It's not some ethereal spiritual existence where we sit on clouds and play harps. It's a new heavens and a new earth. It's physical. It's real. It's flesh and blood. And you can touch it just like Jesus' disciples could touch his body after the resurrection. And why do you think I'm saying that? Because there is a correlation between the world that we live in now and the world that is to come. Yes, will it be renewed, burnt away, eaten up, all the things that are of sin and the curse, and all that we will have left is eternal and lasting, of course. But the bodies that we have now are not of a different substance to the bodies that we will have in the future. And I think this is what Paul is getting at. When he's talking about a conviction for living in the present for Christ. When it comes to thinking of the resurrection to come. Of the second coming of Christ. Because in verse 10 he says. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body. Whether good or bad. Confidence in the resurrection to come gives us conviction to live for God, to live for Christ today. Because when we come to that day, when we sit before the beam of seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, 
and give an account for the things that we've done in our body, whether good or bad, we will realize that everything we have done on earth is of eternal character, meaningful and lasting. We will give an account for it, what we've done in our bodies. And that should give us a paradigm shift for the way that we live in our lives today. This is not meant to be something that brings fear into our minds, this concept of the judgment seat of Christ. For we've already been told in this passage that we do not come to this judgment seat in our own righteousness, but clothed in the righteousness of Christ. We do not come to this judgment seat in our earthly tents, naked and exposed in shame. We come with the gift of eternal resurrection life in Jesus Christ. Confidence in the resurrection to come gives us conviction to live for God today. Because we as eternal people are called to live eternally minded. Are called as we wait in between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ to live as resurrection people. And to consider all the things that we do to be done for the glory of God, living by faith, not by sight. Until that day comes when Christ comes again to judge the living and the dead. I pray this Christmas day that we would all, as we wait in between, find ourselves living by faith in Jesus Christ and not by sight. Waiting for the eternity to come. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. For your word. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. May we eagerly and patiently await the day when mortality shall be, shall be taken off and immortality shall be given. When we shall rid ourselves of these tents and be given a dwelling place that will last forever. Resurrection bodies where we can worship you and the Son with the power of the Holy Spirit forever. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.